0: But that was really 1981 Rock
1: What's up everybody? I'm your host, Stacy Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the film The Ventures Stars on Guitars. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast for people who love music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now on to the show. Welcome to another edition of the Rock and Roll Nightmares Podcast. This is your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, and I'm joined by two authors in the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and a previous guest. Shane Bitterling wrote Daydream Bereaver in Along Comes Scary. Joel Amos wrote Sharing the Fright Together for Do You Fear Like We Do. And Aaron Kai was on the show previously to talk about the connection between rock music and pinball. Today's topic is portrayals of rock stars in comedy movies. There are a lot of them, but we've narrowed it down to five, and they are Wayne's World, Pirate Radio, Still Crazy, Walk Hard, and Get Him to the Greek, plus a few honorable mentions. Hello, everyone.
2: Hey. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello
1: so before we get started on talking about the movies i just want to get a rundown on what you guys are up to so let's start with shane
0: it is that season so i'm pimping my little children's book again um it uh came out last year and still kind of going strong and it is a halloween book and it's called the year without halloween and it's uh ages two to 102. I'm really proud of it. I'm more proud of it than anything, uh, anything else I've ever done, which is, you know, mostly short stories and screenplays and, and the like. And I'm just absolutely still in love with the art by Walid Atcha. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, it continues to kind of be a thing. I would love nothing more than, uh, than people to pull it out every year and take a gander at it again with their kids or families or whoever's in the house, dogs and cats, hamsters.
1: <laughs> right, no distractions.
0: <laughs> and it's available on Amazon right now. It's the year without Halloween.
1: Absolutely, highly recommended. I love your book too, nice. yeah. Um, Thank so Joel, you. can we get a little rundown from you?
2: Yes, of course. Um, I'm Joel Amos and I run a site called The Movie Mench. Uh, because I grew up in a Jewish household and mensch was used my way more than any other word. So I figured that's a good thing. That's a good guy. What's the name of the site that? Um, So I'm doing reviews, interviews, features and all that. But I also um, kind of been slowing down on that a little bit and uh, focusing on writing for myself. So uh, there's a book I'm working on. Uh, I had some real serious heart uh, issues. I almost died about seven years ago. And then again, six years ago, Um, So I'm hoping to put together a book. I've got about 180 pages written, and I hope to get that out in the next year. Um, I also just talked with a friend, and we decided we're going to start to write a book uh, about, I know this may be controversial, but that the 1980s was the best decade for music in history, um, because of everything that that came out of it, and that it's influenced through today. Um, so we're going to hand that out and uh, next time we chat hopefully we'll be a little bit more into that
1: oh that sounds like fun so I mean there's so much to do with the 80s I was just reading that book um, um, nothing but a good time about the hair metal invasion of the the 80s and a lot of the artists talk about how new wave was the thing you know new wave uh you know, like the plim Souls and the new romantics and stuff like that. So it's kind of like almost a battle. Are you going to get into that? Like which part of the eighties are you going to be focusing uh-huh. in on your book? All of it,
2: uh, all of it, all of it, because it's just, it's such an explosive exponentially explosive decade. I mean, there's so many people that were influenced by what came before who in turn influenced everything that came after. And with the help of MTV, there was an intense diversification of music where, you know, people would listen to Michael Jackson and then Iron Maiden and it was just, that had never happened before. Um, You know, you liked what you like. And I thought the eighties really opened up people's ears. And uh, so we're going to address it. We haven't decided whether we're going to take it year by year or genre by genre um, to kind of capture the evolution of the eighties and how it kind of catapulted us into the nineties and beyond.
1: That sounds fantastic. I'll be reading it for sure.
2: All right. Thank you. You get book number one.
1: (laughs) Good. All right. And Aaron, uh, tell us what you're up to right now.
3: Well, for those who don't know, my name is Aaron Kai and I paint the movies. I do hand painted movie art and movie posters. And yeah, I've I've been actually quite busy. I'm always juggling uh, my artwork and uh, right now, it, you know, like Shane, it's that time of year, our favorite Halloween season. And so I, I'm uh, going to be releasing uh, my Grindhouse Halloween painting, which I completed actually uh, over a year ago, but I actually uh, added some things to it and, and there's going to be a very small limited run of those. Um, right now, I am also completing a painting of the movie Die Hard of Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman. and Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's like two feet by four feet. It's a really, really it's come along Sweet. great.
2: And I'm I always always wait. oh
3: yeah, it's really crazy. No I, I can't wait to release it. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's uh, in my studio right now. And uh uh actually I'm I always have a list of movies. I'm working on some comps for a Cobra painting, Stallone Cobra that I'm going to be um uh exhibiting next year. Uh yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh for a really possible cool thing. And also, uh, I for those some that don't know, I am an actor, and I have actually three movies that are releasing, <laughs> I think, this uh month or this fall. One is Vampires on a Boat, written and directed by Mark Allen Michaels, and stars Carrie Keegan and Kurt Lambert, and um uh, many other. Um, actors including myself and I don't want to spoil it but it's really really cool it takes place on a ship on a uh, I forgot the name of the ship out there by Long Beach a big from the uh, from World War I think World War II and uh yeah it's uh it's going to be streaming uh releasing September 27th everywhere you know Prime, iTunes, you name it and uh, another film that's written by Stacey Lane Wilson and directed by Stephanie Paris called The Lincoln and that is going to be releasing this fall, where I play a, uh, a villain, a hitman, bad guy. One of my favorite roles, if not my favorite, kind of John Wick kind of style. <laughs> and uh, and also, um, uh, I am in this uh, documentary called The Horror Crowd. And uh, along with Stacey yeah, Wilson, are yeah, we too. are we are yeah, the horror couple in there. And um, so yeah, that's uh, that's in. Always leave them wanting more, so I'm going to end it. it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well,
1: let's just uh, hop right into more.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually just got something about uh, vampires on a boat, so oh, you uh, did. Yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be circling back to you, Aaron.
3: Oh, sounds good. Thank you.
2: Awesome. So
1: All right, so let's dive into our films that we're talking about today. So I'm going to take the lead with Shwing. That's all you really need to know, but I'm going to go on anyway. So it's a big screen adaptation of the Saturday Night Live skit um, featuring best buds Wayne Campbell, who's played by Mike Myers and Garth Dana Carvey partying and doing their public access television show Um, and you know they're just enjoying life and they're slackers they love rock and metal music drinking and you know I kind of think of them as sort of a kinder and gentler uh, beavis and butthead. Friction arises when they meet up with an oily tv producer played by Rob Lowe who is excellent as the mustache twirling villain but he doesn't even have a mustache so (laughs) that's some acting right there um so he decides to exploit their show by making it an excuse to sponsor one of his rich clients so meanwhile there's some romantic friction as well Wayne has fallen in love with a sexy singer Cassandra played by Tia Carrere who fronts a hard rock band that plays covers like Ballroom Blitz by The Mm -hmm. Suite Um, And there's a bunch of rock cameos in here, Uh, Meatloaf, Alice Cooper, um, John Candy shows up too. And um, there's some really great scenes in the film, um, kind of iconic ones. So let's talk about that. one of my favorite scenes is definitely the we're not worthy <laughs> with mm-hmm. Alice Cooper, which I think has been made into many a meme. Um, what are some of your favorite scenes in this? Let's start with uh, Shane.
0: Uh, it's exactly how I feel every single day, uh, thinking of Alice Cooper. And uh, he actually plays a little part, uh, I mean, well, not acting wise, but uh, the character of alice cooper plays into something that i'm working on um right now that i can't really mention but they're supposed to have made an announcement uh for the past three weeks and have not yet ah, okay. so uh he will be in there but uh i just i just love every bit of that movie i just I, wayne's world it's it's hard to pick a, a, a another favorite part uh, over the Alice thing, but I just, the whole thing is just a, uh, it's so much fun. And, uh, the, the skit on SNL was great. And it's one of the few things, especially from that period that, that translated to a feature film, uh, well, and where it didn't just feel like a, a skit that was stretched over an hour and a half but it's just so so fun all around and it's hard to pick a favorite part because I just I really enjoy that movie yeah
3: it was uh I I had only seen it maybe once or twice and it had been years so you know revisiting it with Stacy it was uh you know still had me you know laughing and like oh yeah I remember that and just just that time and that era when that skit was out it just made me think of Saturday Night Live when it was you know still at its peak per se I mean I'm you know you know, I'm I'm old school Saturday Night Live, so you know John Belushi, you know, and, and um, Dan Ackward, and of course in the '80s, Amy Murphy. But uh, but I, I like what it had heart in a sense because it didn't take itself so like it wasn't a super hardcore comedy. And you know, with everyone with uh, Mike Myers talking at the at the camera, that was always like, you know, yeah, follow me, we're gonna get some, you know. Yeah, that's fun.
1: And uh, and
3: and one of the scenes that that's. That always cracks me up is they're all in and in stuffed into the pacer and Bohemian Rhapsody comes on they pick up that their friend who's like all stoned out and then he slowly wakes up and then they're all headbanging and and that actually kind of made me think back in the day like in high school and one of the, only one of our friends had a car and it was his mother's car and, you know we're in this Malibu we're in there you know smoking weed and whatever and we're you know got the got the music cranking and whatever so, uh, yeah, it was, um, that, that was, that scene always always cracked me up, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, Shane, as you said, one of those skits that rarely made it as a, as a feature film that actually did well, because I think they, they did a few others, they did The ladies' Man, which really wasn't all that great, and uh, a few others, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it's good stuff. I actually, I mean, I still love this movie. I'll never forget going to see it that first time. It's one of those things that's sticking in your head. But um, in terms of what I love most about it, there are probably a couple of things. One, um, is it me or we, we don't seem to get as many quote-unquote, quote excuse me, quote-unquote quotable movies. Like there are so many quotes from this movie, from Schwing, like you said, Stacy. to we're not worthy. I mean, there's there's things that have become part of the lexicon of our speech that came from this movie. And and movies don't really do that anymore. We had Princess Bride, we had Better Off Dead. I mean, there were so many of these movies during this era that, that people still quote, even younger generation. So that's one thing. And I'm glad that Shane mentioned uh, Alice Cooper because there's something I've done since I've seen this movie and I think people think I'm crazy, but whenever they talk about a certain city in Wisconsin, I always call it Milwaukee because that's what (laughs) Alice Cooper called it. And so like when the, when the, when the bucks won the world championships and everyone's like Milwaukee, Milwaukee, I'm like, Hey, look, the Milwaukee bucks won the championship. So like, yeah, that's great. And, And like you said to Rob Lowe, perfect casting i mean that guy really is an underrated actor because he can really do anything and he couldn't have been more swarmy than he was in 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 that film and it it stayed it's really took um stood the test test of time
1: oh it has and i do feel though that maybe i wonder how it would um play to I hate to say the younger generation, the kiddies, because there are a few things that they probably wouldn't get, such as the recreation scene of Laverne and Shirley's opening, you know, I don't know if that would translate, but um, I do feel like one of the things that really helps the movie is that true love of music really comes across. But I feel like um, Penelope Spirits, the director, um, she is so immersed in the music world, punk, um, metal. She did the Decline of the Western Civilization, the Metal Years, and she directed music videos for uh, Megadeth and Night Ranger and wrote and directed Suburbia, which is also sort of a slacker flick from that uh, previous era. So I think that also really helps it come across even more so than um, uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey.
0: True. yeah i'm glad Fair you mind. mentioned penelope spheris because she's such an amazing director and uh everything she's done has pretty much been gold and she was just so perfectly suited for for this movie mm-hmm. and reading her fairly recent interviews about how hard it is to work and everything that's Kind of happen and why we don't have a new Penelope Spiras movie every year and how she's just kind of walked away from it all. Yeah, it's just it's really sad because uh, so many of her movies have stood the test of time. More Penelope Spiras, please. <laughs> yes. Amen.
1: Yeah, and there are also some fun in the in Wayne's World sort of almost music videos within the film, um, like the um, Dana Carvey when he's. Singing uh, "Foxy Lady," it's <laughs> <That's
2: laughs> a fun scene too. Yeah, yeah. and and actually, uh, real quick, the, the we mentioned the Bohemian Rhapsody in the car, and it's actually one of the first movies uh that took a song that was really old, and it went to number one because of this movie. And I like oh. to think that because of this movie, generations later, I mean, people love this song. Whether you're five, like my daughter, just oh, the Mamma Mia song, and. I feel like it would have stood through time, but because of Wayne World, Wayne's World, it became like everybody's anthem.
1: Yeah, it really did cement that song into the collective consciousness. Maybe if you were not a rock music fan, but you went to see this comedy movie, and then, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody really did um, sort of become iconic through the movie, I feel, like even yep. more so than it was yep. before.
2: I mean, it went to number one, and I don't know if it went to number one the first time around.
3: It's something how how a movie like that or you know certain movies will resonate a song now like you said she shoots to number one yeah you know, i remember when it came out in high school i first thought like what kind of song is this because it was so mm-hmm. all over the place at the beginning is it opera is it this and then it has that big you know kick in uh, yeah oh wow so yeah because what's the song that just went number one from
1: Oh, right. The, uh, from Stranger, uh, Stranger Things. Uh-huh. The Kate Bush. Well, two Kate, Bush.
2: Of them, yeah. Kate Bush and then Metallica's song. Uh, oh, actually Metallica's went, did too, huh? Yeah. Uh, Master of Puppets went into the top ten because yeah, of Stranger that's, Things. That's so that's I, and favorite. in some ways, I feel like this was the first movie to kind of do that, to introduce older songs to younger generations.
0: Well, and Also, it's just—it's kind of one of those comedies that they, they don't really make at all anymore and that it's pretty innocent you know it's like if they made that today it would just be really filthy and you know super r-rated and just kind of you know there there aren't characters that are likable like wayne and garth in movies anymore and that was you know of that time really uh well that time in every period before that and after that it's just kind of you know become gross out uh, f- kind of filth humor, which, yeah, it was funny also, but. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, see, I hate scatological humor. So for me, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, there are not many comedies I can enjoy these days.
3: Yeah, they're, they're, they're just gotten, you know, I know times change, but it's funny. Yeah. Uh, Stacy just hit me to, uh, we watched Pirate Radio. And wow. I had never seen Pirate Radio. And I got to tell you, this movie just. Awesome. It was, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I never knew the story It was based, that was based on true story, you know, direct, mm-hmm. directed by uh, Richard Curtis, he, he wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Love Actually, and some of the Mr. Bean series, actually, and he, I think, he, yeah, he, he wrote uh, Mamma Mia, also speaking of Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it stars, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman as The Count, and Bill Nighy as Quentin, one of my favorites, and you know, I remember him from uh, Still Crazy, and. Uh, and uh, a few other uh, films, Nick Frost, of course, from, from Hot Fuzz, and, yeah, and, and Shaun, Shaun of the Dead, Dead. and he yeah.
1: was in Shaun of the Dead,
3: too, yeah, well, so. yeah, sure, yeah, sure was, and, and, uh, and even Kenneth Branagh, you know, which he, he kind of looks like, I don't want to say out of place, but like, what's he doing in this, you know, but he's <laughs> actually really good, you know, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but, yeah,
1: he's like the villainous foil, too, I mean, kind of like how, mm-hmm. you know, Rob Lowe is in Wayne's World, you all need it. you're, you know, you're,
2: dragons to slay or villains to fight and yeah, yeah
0: he's, the, he's kind of the ultimate stuffed shirt in this thing oh totally everybody wants to have fun he wants to go poop on the party
2: yeah he's the british stiff upper lip to the t yeah mm-hmm.
0: um, i mean it was
3: like it wasn't the move because they like said it was my first time seeing it. I, I know it was released as rock as a uh, rock the boat right and um what i really loved was i mean i don't want to spoil it but you I left when I was done watching that movie. It felt so good. I can remember back in the day, in the in the '80s and the '90s, you know, coming out of a theater and like, you know, feeling good. You know, those movies that just leave you feeling good, like just yeah. great ending because of the fact that it was based on a true story and it had this ending. I'm like, oh my god! And When, I, when we were done, I'm like, that was one of the the most the best feel good movie I had seen in a long time. And what was really something was the music. All the music that they got in that movie uh, oh. just really captured the '60s and that time and and you know the hard rock and I'm you know watching it, I'm saying to Stacy like they must have had a hell of a budget to get all this music. right and
1: then the movie didn't do that well it's such a shame. yeah. yeah
2: yeah it it it's funny because um, uh, actually this is the movie that was responsible for my first trip to England I actually did this junket in in oh, England. Wow. Fun. And, and it was wow. the boat that rocked and it came out in February. And I went to London in like September and I kept meeting these Brits and they were like, why are we covering this movie that came and went and just flopped? And I was like, I don't know. They really think it's gonna make a mark in America. And I remember seeing it from like you said, Aaron, like the music, like from the get-go, the first thing you hear or see
1: yeah.
2: is the kinks. And we're off and running and I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm down. I don't know what this is, but I am down. And it's also a history lesson that I think is important for people to know that, you know, rock and roll wasn't always just something you could turn on the radio. I mean, there was a time in this movie, and they show this is the crux. I'm not giving anything away, but the BBC banned it, so like you couldn't get rock and roll. And this was not even like the '50s; this is the '60s, yeah. Yeah. and you yeah. couldn't listen to rock and roll in England. So these guys went out on a boat off the shores of England and just broadcast rock and roll. And what I also love too is how the everyone in the boat they have their issues at times but it always kind of feels like a family like they are in this together and there's something about that kind of movie that like you said also that just makes you feel good
3: yeah yeah and you and and like, like you I want to uh elaborate on what you just said that it, they were a family they were they were all on that boat. even uh um Bill Nye's character uh mm-hmm. you know Quentin you know the captain he was like hey you know you know, we're all, we're not going to give up. We're going to stand our ground, our ground and just keep doing what we do. And uh, then Bill Seymour Hoffman, he he was, oh. he was, yeah, when he, when they were, God, I don't want to spoil it, but the scene where, you know, they're about to go, they think that this is it. Okay. You know, this is farewell. And then it's like, screw that. No.
1: Die <laughs> <laughs> hard dj who's DJ, not gonna yeah. leave that uh-huh. microphone and
3: right. he's gonna keep on we're not going quietly into
1: yeah. that night. <laughs> right <laughs> who i might
2: add is american
1: shane did you watch
2: it i yeah i love this movie
0: and it's it's one of those ones like like you said as soon as it starts it just it's kind of invigorating and i and i love i love movies where it's uh kind of which they also don't really make much anymore is the snobs versus slobs so it'd be everybody on the boat are the slobs you know and then you have the very uh stiff uh you, you know British uh, uh community and everything is the 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 snobs and I just love those stick it to the man um fight for the people fight for your freedom type movies those always kind of kind of get me uh the, the Bill Nye he had a quote in that movie that I've I've said like a million times since seeing it back then it was something like um government loathes when people are free or something like that you know and it's just it's yeah, so true they're just yeah, trying to it shut it down like for, messages for for really messages. no reason just so you know we must keep everything prim proper and pompous uh but i just it's such a great cast and the music, the story, the everything, the fact that it's, you know, a true story. And I just, I don't think people would really understand that now. Because, you know, we're, you know, just the thought of rock and roll was going to bring down an entire nation it was going to, it was going to end the world. It's like Elvis's hips
1: or going to
0: send everybody to hell in a handbasket. and. You know now it's on primetime TV. I'm sounding like a little real prude on this podcast. I swear I'm not,
2: but uh, you,
0: know, I'm, you have the artists that are, you know, doing some really raunchy stuff right there on primetime TV. You know, and it's just it's just kind of you know, people become famous for their porn videos and things like that, or. Whatever. And it's like, this is really kind of, I mean, it's the same thing, but just a little bit more extreme. But it's uh, nobody's really crying about the uh, de evolution of, of our mores and everything else when it was just this the sound of a guitar was the scariest thing to a lot of people.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: It was, very much. Yeah. It was going to be, be the fall of the empire. The
1: yeah.
0: I just, I love that movie. It's so good. So yeah, good. the
1: ensemble cast is just so perfectly enmeshed. Richard Curtis really rallied the troops so yeah. well. Yeah. Um, now, Joel, did you get to interview everyone when you were yeah. there? What was yeah, that?
2: actually, um, uh, first thing I want to say is that there was really nothing in the world like seeing it in London at the Mayfair Hotel. They had their own little theater and then walking out into the night and it being London. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I mean, it just, it was so cool. Um, But yeah, I interviewed everybody. Um, I don't think Philip Seymour Hoffman was there. Bill Nighy was there. Nick Frost was there. um, uh, Lucy Fleming was there. Tom Sturridge was there. um, And and the junket felt like the movie. I mean, it was very rock and roll centered. uh, The food was very, you know, the, the, cakes shaped like guitars and stuff like that and the, <laughs> nice. the, the swag was fantastic you know there's a guitar case that worked as a duffel bag that's a pirate radio on it and i mean i just loved the whole experience i mean it was fantastic and, and the interviews were just terrific and getting everybody's take on their you know discovery of music and what they loved and i mean it was just it, i was just a, a pig in a big pile of mud covering that movie
1: uh, yeah I'll bet Bill Nighy remembered oh. the, the Pirate Radio right
2: yeah yeah he um sure. Sure, yeah. he was there and I just I felt like I should bow before the man because he's one of my favorite actors just to sit in a room with him was, oh, was so a, great a, a treat just such a treat
1: he's incredible yeah I only interviewed him once or twice and I honestly can't remember for which movies it was not Pirate Radio but such an open, friendly, down-to-earth, but extremely intellectual person. I mean, he's just one of my favorites, too.
2: The best.
0: And speaking of Bill Nye, this, this could be the Bill Nye podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're good. And uh, there should be one. There should be. Uh, Still Crazy from 1998. Uh, this is a really, really wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, it's about a... a A British rock band that was an almost was from the 1970s, they had a a kind of on the verge of superstardom, but never quite really got it uh, reached there and they split up because of all these personal differences and personal dramas. And then 25 years later, after they're doing their, uh, you know, they're completely out of the, the music business, except for Bill Nighy, who was the singer. Uh, you know, there are gardeners, roofers, um, or lagabouts do nothing.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Even Ray,
0: who is the organ player for the, uh, for the band, uh, decides, um, we need to get band back together and do this big reunion show because the nostalgia culture is really, really huge. So it's this very funny, very authentic feeling, uh, movie about these guys now that are middle-aged, trying to get their, their relationships back together, this show back together, everything back together. And it's sort of a, a, a very realistic kind of, um, uh, this is Spinal Tap. And uh, the cast is absolutely amazing. Bill Nye is the lead singer. Stephen Ray, Timothy Spall, uh, Jimmy Nail, and Billy Connolly is their roadie that they also bring back. But each one is just absolutely uh, humanly hilarious. It's not broad or or anything. Um, It's just it's really funny. A great whip smart script. Uh, It was directed by Brian Gibson, who had been doing uh movies and music videos for 30 years or so he dabbled a lot back and forth with long format videos and everything and this actually was the last movie he directed before he passed away so this was his swan song oh
1: wow, oh, wow.
0: and what a what a great great swan song that it was mm-hmm. but the written by th- this these these two writers are absolutely the I'm not worthy moment. Uh, These are the I'm not worthy writers. Dick Clement and Ian Lafrené. They had been working since the 1960s. They wrote this movie in their 60s. Oh, okay. (laughs) And now 20 plus years later they're still active and doing big movies some of them blockbusters and they're in their 80s and they they've dipped into the well of music movies many times and every one of them is just kind of an absolute stone cold favorite or classic they did the commitments uh they did across the universe they did this and just on and on and on they did a bond movie
1: Oh wow! <laughs> They're just—they are—they
0: did an Ardman movie that flushed away. They're just absolutely fantastic writers that do everything and anything, and I'm just amazed at—you know—people still want to hire them because they want quality and they want great. So those are two of the guys you go to, and for British uh, projects, there's none better. So. I just I love this movie and it's just it's so funny and uh, Bill Nye seems to be one of those people that I quote from a movie but there's this one it's you have to see it kind of in context but uh, there's a scene where he there's a birthday cake for him waiting on a table and it's all these men struggling with their with their middle age. And he uh, he takes the birthday cake and smashes it on the wall and keeps shouting, I'm not 50. I'm not 50. 50!" (laughs) It just kills me every single time. Because I want to do that every day. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not 50.
2: I'm I'm not 50.
0: (laughs) I'm not 50.
2: (laughs) But uh, just, it's
0: such a good, it's a feel good movie. And and also in this, uh, which. You know, a lot of um, the original songs in this movie are also fantastic because they usually really, really, really suck in these movies, you know? And like, I mean, even though it wasn't a comedy, but like once. Oh, I
1: hated that movie.
0: You know, and it all kind of hinges on if you like that song. And I hated (laughs) that song so much. But the songs in this one were written by um, Chris Difford from, the, from Squeeze.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. And
0: also Jeff Lynne from ELO oh, and nice. others. So the songs are, if, if you turned on classic rock radio, you could totally hear these songs every day in the rotation, even though you don't, uh, but you should. But they really have that feel. They're really good. And there are, there are multiple songs you know coming from that band and it's just yeah it's just sort of solid fun just it's a real the movie really makes you smile but it's also as somebody who maybe someday might approach my middle age
1: um, but you're not <laughs> but, uh, but i'm not
0: there yet um you know there's a lot of very honest true things that uh, rock star or former rock star or not that really are very 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 you know they, they really hit you in the in the belly there with some of that stuff and it's but it's just it's a really good fun rah 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 movie you know right real, real rooting for these guys to get it together
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well Bill Nye—he as there's another scene of his that I love where he's also you know, trying to stay young with his, his vampire cape and his cape, yeah. thing you know, that's so when he's,
3: And he's in the mirror and he's like, like, you sold out so many, cards. you played for 5 million people and kicked some ass and he breaks it, he hurts his back. And he's like, yeah, he hurts, and he throws his, his and back And his curly iron goes, back. I mean, I was so, but that song, Scream Freedom, and they're like, make it loud, scream freedom. <laughs> and his expressions are just, he's, yeah, great. he's
1: great. And, but I feel like the premise seems, Less ridiculous now than it did in the '90s because mm-hmm. now we have you know Motley Crue on tour in their spats studs <laughs> and makeup and you know it's like it's an everyday yeah. thing now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I think um, this hit hit the the scene about 15 years early because a lot of people. Well, the Who was always doing their kind of. Uh, going on a business tour every five years or so <laughs> right. uh, but yeah now it's just it's so commonplace and i've i've seen uh we talked about this on a, on a their earlier podcast about you know how many final shows i've actually been to that have mm-hmm. not been the final shows uh, i'm looking at you motley crew again <laughs> um, but, yeah, but a question you know,
3: in between, uh, like, like, final show? Question yeah. Question versus...
0: <laughs> that's why I like the Ramones so much. I respect them even more. Uh, and I already love them, but their final show was truly their final ever show.
3: That it's, line in Still Crazy always cracks me up when you, uh, because uh, uh, they said, so What's, what are they called? What's the man's name? Strange Fruit. Oh, yeah. So, Yeah, we've been fruits a long time. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true, because it's like, they're talking about the uh, the nostalgia tours. Yeah. You know, people are starting to do the nostalgia tours. And now they're like, they dominate the summer. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. They just yeah. dominate the summer. Um, and that's yeah. how they fill stadiums. They put like five or six of these acts on one bill and boom, you fill a stadium. So yeah, this was kind of a new idea uh, when this came out. And yeah. I, I'm, I started, like, this is actually the first time I've seen it in years uh, when I watched it last night. And I forgot something that I think really holds the whole film together and gives it its feel, its tone uh, and its resonance uh, is the fact that Billy Connolly narrates it. Yeah. I think that like he is, I don't know if he's underrated. I just, I love the guy. I I just think he can do no wrong. I actually strangely ran into him in a bar in Springfield, Illinois about like 10 or 15 years ago. And I'm like, what are you doing in the capital of Illinois? But um, anyway, he was holding court doing his Billy Connolly thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, in a lot of ways, too, I feel like, uh, uh, you know, Bill Nye is an amazing actor, but I feel like you can see hints of Ray uh, in his performance in Love Actually. Um, I'm not saying he just repeated himself or maybe he like added 10 years to that character. But I mean, I was watching it last night. I'm like, I've met this guy. This is a guy from you know uh, love actually and or, or like there's their cousins at least um but yeah i had a blast and, and i'm glad you brought up the music too because so many music movies they just write songs to be songs but like these songs could have been hits and yeah. honestly like you said should have been um and i think that's a theme with a lot of the movies we're talking about on these podcasts um the tunes that stillwater does and all Mills famous i mean that could be a hit record in the 70s um, so I just feel like you know they, they really these films took their music seriously to add to the authenticity. Um, and the cast was just game and, and it was so believable that, that you know this group, you know, we see it over and over and over again. like these groups that just break up hating each other and then years go by, they mature, they get sober or maybe not. And then they realize like, what, what why were we fighting? Or, you know, let's get back together. We were really good. And there's something about the passage of time that they're almost better now than they were then mm-hmm. and I feel like that's like a page from the truth, yeah
0: yeah, that's why it's it's the this movie it just it feels really authentic and you know it feels like a real band, and you know they had real songs and real this and then uh also just such a, an amazing cast that you know some of them are a little lived in. And uh, just it's just wonderful, and just everything kind of rings true about whether whether you know anything about you behind the scenes of music or or not. It's just very human.
3: Yeah, it's funny seeing like the first time I saw it, which was uh, I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it like many years later, like early two thousand. I stumbled across it, and I was you know laugh out loud hilarious and like I said, a lot of it, the the music was great. And then here comes Billy Connolly and like, oh my God, he's in this Mm -hmm. too. I remember him from um, uh, from Boondock Saints. And and it seems like he's just having so much fun in that movie, just being himself. You know, he's like oh, yeah. your wave with bated breath, and he's like, oh my god, night of the living dead, look at you guys, you know, like <laughs> he's hanging out at the bar with you, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: and he's uh, he's really in truly immersed in the rock world because my first introduction to Billy Connolly was watching the Arms Benefit with Jimmy Page. And he in the 80s, I believe that was in the 80s, and he introduced a lot of the bands at that Ronnie Lane uh, Arms Benefit.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, nice piece of trivia there.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's get into Walk Hard with Joel.
2: Uh, Walk Hard. You know, what I find so interesting about this movie is when I first heard about it, um, uh, Walk the Line had come out so recently. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is, you know, Hollywood was making parodies of everything at that time. And, you know, the, the scary movie, this is a scary movie, whatever, you know. And then I went in to see it and I'm like, this thing stands on its own. Um, you know, yeah, there's like similarities between the Johnny Cash story and, you know, the wrong kid died and, and, um, but it's just, it's just so much fun. And I think why it's so much fun, um, has everything to do with John C. Riley, And, and it's just his performance. It's dramatic, it's comedic. And, and it's, it's a, it's a preview, I think of everything that he's done since, uh, and and really kind of put the guy uh, firmly on the map. And he is the most unlikely looking movie star. And this movie just put him over the top. And if people didn't see it when it was in the theaters, a ton of people have seen it on home video. And this is one of these movies that I think when you meet a new person, you can ask them about Walk Hard and I guarantee they've seen it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I actually, I remember I watched the first part of it a few years ago and I just I didn't really like it I couldn't get into it I'm like eh, it's okay but it was too much like walk the line but mm-hmm. then I rewatched it of course to prep for this podcast and pushed through the beginning and then it gets really funny I mean I just love like how he goes through Dewey Cox he goes through his Bob Dylan phase his Beatles <laughs> Mamarashi phase his Brian Wilson phase you know it's really uh, funny and then the part where he like he it's not a hotel room but it's like this hotel room trashing scene and then he's like he's breaking furniture and you know all ben, this stuff. Bending
3: paper clips. Yeah and then he starts <laughs> out, yeah he's like
1: resorts to like ruining the zen garden and yeah, and, and, yeah bending spoons and you know, all this stuff. It's really around, funny yeah. how it goes on and on. Yeah and it's also got some great cameos everyone from Jack White to Jack Black and so I thought it was a lot of fun as I push through that beginning part that i didn't much yeah. care
0: for yeah i really like this one uh and i just there's that period of movies all around this where you know everything had will ferrell in them or or mm-hmm. yep. something and i just i just don't find them funny i mean they have occasional like a line here and there they're funny that <laughs> but this one i thought was was really, really well done. And uh it was it kind of not as broad as like a naked gun or or um airplane, but it 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 kind of dips into some of that a little bit without going too over the board, but or overboard. But I just I think it really worked and it's kind of one of the few Judd Apatow movies that I, I liked. And I, I, I do think it all kind of comes down to John C. Riley.
1: Yeah, and he really can sing. I remember he was in Chicago. Singing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, watching. Yeah.
3: That, he was like was like yeah, he actually can really sing. I'm like wow, he's really doing it up there. And because uh, um, I always remember first seeing him in Boogie Nights, and I was like, I was like really impressed. And,
2: oh, totally. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, and uh, yeah, you you know that the the finale with all the lights and the oh, that was really <laughs> funny yeah the yeah. concert
1: that had yeah. you know the choir and the symphony and the, <laughs> yeah, the light show and yeah. the yeah that was really yeah. funny too I yeah. know the way they send up some of these uh yeah. different rock and roll cliches is really well
0: done I, I feel do like the
3: temptation the that's temptation, that's
0: to <laughs> like,
1: oh, the temptation
0: you know and I also felt like it, it was um Jake Kasdan and and Apatow wasn't just like uh, you know not another disaster movie or Mm -hmm. something like that which were really popular around that time but it was they really knew the music I mean they knew that that world or you know they were they had a lot of respect for that type of thing even though it was you know very goofy and funny but it's they they really kind of knew the source that they were spoofing and I think that made kind of all the difference in the world I was watching it again last week and I I forgot all about it but it just made me crack up all over again I don't know why I just always thought that was so goofy but when he says I think I'm doing okay for a 15 year old with a wife and a baby." That, oh, right. that one. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills me every time i'd forgotten about that but i was just kind of guffawing all over again but i just i'm so happy they cast him in this you know it could have been will ferrell movie and it's like we i i wouldn't be talking about it how i am today if it, if it were
1: let's get on to our uh last film here that we're going to talk about in depth and that is get him to the greek Um, It's about a record company intern played by Jonah Hill, who actually is in Walk Hard also. Um, And he's made to accompany an out-of-control, drug-addled, self-absorbed British rock star, Aldous Snow, who's played by Russell Brand. And he's supposed to take him to a concert at LA's Greek Theater. And of course, hilarity ensues along the way from London to LA. Um... And this is a movie where I think the casting was spot on. Of course, Russell Brand as a spoiled British rock star couldn't be any better. But um, I I wanted to like this movie a lot more than I actually did because I felt like the writing was pretty juvenile and it does resort to that gross out humor that we were talking about before. It's it's a bit crass for my taste. But um, it, it does seem like it's a fun premise. I feel like maybe it's based loosely on... David Bowie and Ron Oberman, the young inexperienced publicist who accompanied Bowie on his first trip to the US. And the songs are funny. I mean, they're tone deaf, like African child. I mean, they do have some <laughs> funny lyrics, but, and again, we have the rock and roll cameos with Kurt Loder from Rolling Stone and MTV and Lars Ulrich from Metallica. But we do have a non-cameo from Diddy as the record mm-hmm. executive, and he's uh, a terrible uh, actor. <laughs> So what what did you guys
2: think of this? This one has kind of a little warm space in my heart because um, this will always be the movie that Russell Bland smacked me like the devil in the face. Um, I I asked him a question at the junket about how Elizabeth Moss slapped him in the movie. And he says, do you know why that looks so real? It's because she really slapped me. I mean, just like this. And then he wound up and he slapped me. I mean, I had a red mark on my hand and he felt terrible. He was like, give me autographs on anything he had. But yeah, this isn't like the greatest movie in the world, but you know, there are, there are moments in this film. I mean, you mentioned P. Diddy. One of my favorite scenes that my buddy and I still repeat over and over and over is when he's on the video set with Pharrell and the song's called I'm Gangster. But Pharrell's wearing a pink polo. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that screams gangster. I mean, there's moments. There's moments throughout this movie that, that I just can quote back back and forth. But you're right. I mean, Russell Brand. I mean, this is the role he was born to play. Of course, this was a role that was born in Forgetting Sarah Marshall is the same character that hooked up with Kristen Bell. So they made a whole movie about him. And, and Jonah was perfect. Elizabeth Moss was great. Oh, yeah, um
1: she was, yeah. and i
2: and i thought just the the commentary on the music industry i thought was interesting like those meetings inside the record company and and their really limited view of the music landscape i, I thought that was really powerful and and true which really kind of stuck with me
3: yeah I, I was i could take it or leave it i mean russell Brand, you know he he has i mean basically he he was playing himself i mean yeah he dresses like that he talks fast like that he's all over the place and uh so and that's kind of that's crazy that he slapped you and i'm like you know that sounds like something of all people that he
0: would do and yeah i i'm not really crazy about this one it's i'm it has some funny bits i don't really care for Russell Brand and at the I was just sick of seeing Jonah Hill in every single movie that I
1: (laughs) every single you know
0: I just like all of these guys need to take a two-year break you know Seth Rogen and the whole gang I mean it's fine I I honestly didn't even go back to revisit it for this uh, little chat we're having but yeah I saw it back then I'm like yeah
3: hit the fast forward button a lot right
0: yeah yeah. Also, me- all
2: those Judd Apatow movies are like seven hours long.
0: I know. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he
2: doesn't know when to yell cut.
0: Yeah, and I, I think all of those money movies would be funnier to me if they just cut them down.
3: Yeah, our comedy Some, movie to me shouldn't be two and a half hours long.
0: The perfect movie is eighty-six minutes.
3: The <laughs> <Yeah>. thing, <laughs> Jane, I so agree, man. It's
0: it's like but. I mean, it's, it had some funny bits. It's just kind of one of those ones that I never really...
1: I think it also depends on your tolerance level for Russell Brand because he is not someone that's universally liked. But I thought yeah, was really he's not well really well for really this. And,
0: and that's the thing. I think he was himself. Yeah. Yeah, this. yeah. Exactly. He wasn't playing another character, so, yeah. yeah.
3: I was like, just no. Russell Brand basically just being himself just as a rock star hanging out, drink, 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 quick, et- cut its cut, cuts, ed- mm-hmm. edits, and, and pass out, and the next day, rinse, repeat, and put on the uh, captions, because I don't know.
1: There were a couple of missed bets, too, I felt like, when they passed through Las Vegas to meet with um, Aldous's long-lost father. I was thinking, oh, who's it going to be? It's going to be a cameo. It's going to be Tom Jones or Wayne Newton yeah. or somebody, and then it turned out to be, like, you know, I mean, a funny actor, but it wasn't, I think they kind of missed the boat on that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Although it will always be known as the movie where Russell Brand got to call Lars Ulrich a dwarf.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you don't see that every day. (laughs) No, you don't. All right. So Joel is our only champion, forget him to the Greek, but Joel is going to also talk about his honorable mention film, just a quick rundown that I think we can all agree on.
2: Yeah, Almost Famous. Um, This is a special movie in my heart. Uh, This is a movie that started it all for me. I left the theater and my wife looked at me and she said, gosh, that kid reminded me of you. And I took her home and I showed her a picture of me at 10 years old with a Rolling Stone magazine held up and a hat on my head that I wrote the word reporter. And she's just like, okay, you need to write a review of this. I was like, a review? Okay, so I wrote a review. I took it to the newspaper at the end of the street. I gave it to them. Not only did they run it, but they hired me and the rest is history. So this movie to me is everything. But it's also just a terrific movie. And I think it, I don't know, it's very close to Cameron Crowe's best. And he certainly, it's his peak if we look back at, at this point. Um, Patrick Fugic, the lead was perfectly cast. The band was perfect. Kate Hudson gave us a great show. And of course, there, there are moments that are just iconic. I mean, who who can listen to Tiny Dancer now and not think of this movie?
1: Yes, absolutely. And if you love Almost Famous as much as I like, dare say we all do. Um, there are some deleted scenes that you can find on YouTube that are a lot of fun. There's one scene where they play Stairway to Heaven in its entirety, <laughs> which is really something else. It had to be cut from the main film because they couldn't get rights to the music. But even so, I feel like it would have slowed down the film. But there are a lot of great clips that you can watch on their own merit on YouTube.
2: Yeah, it's something else. And Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I mean, I don't know he's had so many great roles but there is something about his turn in this movie as Lester Banks that just it gives me chills I have chills right now just thinking about it
3: yeah, yeah the great. cinematography in it too and the just the, the colors and the, the set design and clothes and the pacing of it just Perfect. really gave you a feel for that time and you know and, and this this reporter this writer who you know, how bad he wanted it, how bad he wanted to to cover and prove himself. It's, uh, yeah, very well made.
2: And real quick, I love that uh, Jimmy Fallon doesn't exactly have the greatest film career, but he has one of the best lines in this movie, especially we just talked about uh, the nostalgia tour uh, that everybody goes on when he tells the band that they better get organized and start making money now, because if you think Mick Jagger is going to be dancing on stage at 50, you're crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
3: That, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: How about 78? Well, how about that? <laughs>
0: All right. Well, this is a, a movie that I, I don't really think anybody's ever heard of. I don't think anybody's ever mentioned it. They don't talk about it. It just came out in a, a theater and disappeared forever. It's this little thing from 1984 called this is spinal tap i <laughs> i don't even know what else can be said about this it's just really kind of the ultimate of ultimate rock and roll movies it's just sort of every thing that i i don't even i don't even know what to say about it that, that hasn't already been said rob reiner one of the first of many of his masterpieces uh uh, christopher guest michael mckean harry shearer as spinal tap uh written by all of them and it's just uh, the movie goes to 11 what else yeah can
2: say? <laughs> and we're getting a sequel i don't know if you guys yeah. and we're getting, that, getting a sequel yeah, yeah. Uh, we're getting a sequel from all the same people yeah and they're going to take their time with it they promise
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they certainly yeah. have already well yeah. um speaking of sequels my movie that I want to bring up is Wayne's World 2 which is also a lot of fun it has Christopher Walken in it so I mean how can you go wrong with more cowbell and Kim Basinger and it's about the guys uh trying to put on Wayne stock a you know like a festival music festival but one of the iconic scenes that i love and i always think it's in the first one but it's actually in the second one where they're going through the drive-through and anyone who <laughs> went through a drive-through in the 80s will remember that scratchy speaker and how you couldn't hear you know anything that they were saying and it was uh yeah we get your order right or you don't pay and that's a great scene
2: oh yeah and and you mentioned uh, um... Tim Basinger I mean the, the scenes with, with her and Garth are are just priceless yeah I absolutely. mean that takes Garth to a whole new place literally
1: <laughs> it yeah. does she's the
3: Donna Dixon of uh, of, the, of Wayne's World too. right <laughs> right yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh and the Kenny G horror scene I have to also shout out to that that was fantastic <laughs> uh
3: th- this this movie it's not necessarily a rock and roll movie but I've always loved the end scene of Cheech and Chong's Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke, where they play at the Rainbow, uh, the Roxy rather, and, um, and they do that song, Earache in My Eye. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I had, cause I, I, I used to DJ in the 80s, you know, R&B and hip hop during that, I had like like 15 or more or so crates of, of gold vinyl. And I had a, a Cheech and Chong up in smoke soundtrack it was a double vinyl and you opened it and it had scenes from the movie so i would play scenes in the movie you know during you know during breakbeats beats and stuff And everybody's oh my god Chi chong but at the end of that movie you know when they're, where they're going to the rainbow and you see on sunset boulevard and at the man's chinese theater you see star wars playing and and then they're they're in the dressing room and and ellen barkin is actually in the scene she's an extra and <laughs> with a cigarette in her mouth there's all these little, little, like, little things, little diamonds in the rough, and, but the song is, is, uh, I, 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 when, when they played that song, they just turned it out, and uh, Cheech said, I listened to a commentary, he said he played that song with, um, uh, got a, a bunch of, uh, uh, a bunch of bands, and his, his son, he says, you know how, you know, your kids, kids like to play music that you hate? <laughs> and uh and he he said hey he goes all your bands that you like worship me as a god because they want to play earache in my eye
1: like, damn, damn, <laughs> right. damn, damn. Yeah. well <laughs> one of the fun facts about that song uh is that wadi Wachtel he plays guitar on that song earache my eye or is it earache in, earache my, in eye? my eye yeah. yeah and so he's also in my documentary that i directed about the ventures and so it's really fun to kind of hear, you know, how he evolved from that Cheech and Chong into Stevie Nick's uh Edge of 17. That's his guitar mm. in the very beginning, his iconic wow. guitar. Yeah. Wow. So I think I we're gonna that. wrap it up now. We've talked about a lot of movies. But and we I
0: didn't talk take- about rock and roll high school, which is the <laughs> ultimate
1: <laughs> oh, rock yeah. and roll comedy
0: so of all time oh. okay.
2: it's great. It's the best one of all time, the Ramones. And the Ramones, sure. what can you say? Yeah. PJ Souls.
1: Shout (laughs) out to PJ.
0: Shout out
2: to PJ. (laughs) Yeah I
1: love her. Okay I'm done. (laughs) Okay guys thank you for joining me on this Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast where instead of nightmares we had a few laughs. concludes another episode of rock and roll nightmares i'm your host stacy lane wilson the theme song out for blood is composed and sung by lars with a z cabot and the band is fuzzbuster you can hear the whole track in the horror comedy film valentine days also with a z for photos of the guests and show archives please visit the website rockandrollthings.com. That's rock and roll with an N. You can also join the Rock and Roll Nightmares Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at rockandrollnightmaresbooks. That's B-O-O-K-S. This is an indie podcast, so your subscriptions and ratings are really important. Thank you for joining me, and until next time...